0: Graves on Gridiron with Richard Graves. The games continue to come thick and fast in the NFL. Already we're heading into week 12 of the season. That's Thanksgiving in the States. And that means a very special edition of Graves on Gridiron. The show's riding a hot streak, having gone 2-1 last weekend. It puts our record for the season at 19-11 against the spread. I am your host, Richard Graves. This is Graves on Gridiron, looking ahead to a Thanksgiving Day triple header. Graves on Gridiron with Richard Graves. Yes, welcome along. I am Richard Graves. Great to have you on the show if you are a regular listener. Even better if you are a first time listener. And to that end, we'll explain the simple premise of Graves on Gridiron. It's take a look at the slate of games each week, select three against the line set by the odds makers, and then I will go into it a little bit deeper and suggest why I think that line should be set a little higher a little lower and which way to go first and foremost it is fun that's the name of the game obviously if our picks win it's a little bit more enjoyable than if they lose uh this week is a little bit different because we do have the traditional thanksgiving day triple header as well as the regular slate of sunday games as well and so for to that end We're giving you a special edition, two for the price of one in week 12, with this first show looking at the three games on Thanksgiving Day, the traditional Thanksgiving Day triple header. Worth pointing out that the tradition with the NFL playing football uh, goes all the way back to 1925. The then Chicago Bears played the Chicago Cardinals at Wrigley Field and it was uh, played out to a scoreless tie. So we're hoping for a little bit more entertainment than that. The team with the most history on Thanksgiving Day are the Detroit Lions. They played their first game way back in 1934, and they will be playing on Thanksgiving for the 82nd time this season, hoping for their very first win of the 2021 campaign. They do play their NFC North rivals, the Chicago Bears. It's in Detroit, the Bears have a good record of late against the Detroit Lions. They've won six of their last seven encounters, including their last three in a row. But the Bears aren't in any great form coming into this game either. They're currently three and seven on the season. They have lost five straight. We'll tell you straight up, the early line set for this game has the Bears as three and a half point favourites and it's not too hard to understand why. The Detroit Lions, as we said, looking for their first win of the season. They have an 0-9-1 record on the campaign, thanks to that tie they had with the Pittsburgh Steelers back in Week 10. They had no Jared Goff for last weekend's defeat against the Cleveland Browns. Their starting quarterback was ruled out with an oblique injury. We're told he did practice on Monday, and according to head coach Uh, Dan Campbell, he said that Jared Goff felt a bit better, but that was only a walkthrough practice in which Jared Goff took reps. In his absence, backup quarterback Tim Boyle stepped in against the Browns last weekend, completing 15 passes of 23 attempts for just 77 yards, and there were two interceptions. Just when you think things can't get any worse for Detroit, they do. If you want a bright point, a bright spark, if you will, running back DeAndre Swift had a career game. He showed why he is a home run hitter when you get the ball in hand as he reeled off a 57-yard TD run, which was the longest of his career, by the way, in that defeat to to the Browns. 13-10 was the final score. I think everybody expected the Browns to handle a much depleted Lions team more handily than that. So credit to the Detroit Lions for keeping it so close and giving themselves a chance late in the game. And I'll be honest with you, when I first looked at this game, and saw the line, I was tempted to go with the Detroit Lions, not just to cover the line, but to win the game. But the more you think about it, the more you dissect it, the harder it is to stick with that. Let's have a little look at the Chicago Bears because there's been a lot of hype about their rookie quarterback, Justin Fields, who several weeks into the season was named the starting quarterback after Andy Dalton, who'd originally been a starting quarterback in week one, had had to. Missed some time with an injury. Well, Justin Fields left the field with a rib injury on Sunday, and that allowed Andy Dalton to come into the game. The thought is that with a quick turnaround, just four days, it might come too soon for Justin Fields to be able to start this game. So we're expecting the veteran, Andy Dalton, to start. And he looked assured. He had poise when he came into the game at the weekend against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, When he hit receiver Darnell Mooney for a touchdown late in the game, burning that Ravens secondary. You thought he'd turned it around. I thought he'd turned it around and that the Bears were going to get uh, an unexpected win. But the Bears' defense couldn't play its part. They couldn't hold out uh, a rookie quarterback and a depleted Ravens team and couldn't stop them from a game-winning drive to rob the Bears of victory late on. Let's not forget, there was no Akeem Hicks in the heart of that defensive line for Chicago on Sunday. Khalil Mack has been ruled out for the year, Alan Robinson has a hamstring issue um, on the plus side. Darnell Mooney, as we said, got that late touchdown. He had 121 receiving yards on Sunday. The veteran receiver, Marcus Goodwin, had 104 receiving yards. On the defensive side of the ball, you've got Roquan Smith uh, marshalling from linebacker. Robert Quinn at defensive end, the veteran as well. Playmakers on defense, and the Bears are going to need those playmakers if they're to, to get a result. On Thursday, they haven't won since way back in week five when they won at the Las Vegas Raiders. But you do look at the teams that the Bears have lost to this season, and it's fair to say that all those teams they've lost to are teams that you'd expect to be in playoff contention come the end of the, the regular season. At three and seven, I don't think anybody around here is expecting the Chicago Bears to be making the postseason themselves. And make no mistake about it, head coach Matt Nagy is on the hot seat. But this is the Detroit Lions we're talking about. A Lions side which is very much in a rebuilding mode. A Lions side that hasn't won a game all season. A Lions team that's coming off two creditable performances with that tie against Pittsburgh and then a three-point loss at Cleveland. But with a short turnaround as well. Honestly, I I think it's too much for for the Detroit Lions to take on. The Chicago Bears are three and a half point favourites going into this game. We've already touched upon their recent good record. I think it's a a chance for Andy Dalton with veteran experience to marshal this team around the field. Don't expect it to be high scoring. I do expect the Bears to cover the three and a half point point margin. Take the Chicago Bears at minus 3.5. Okay, game number two on Thanksgiving Day sees the Las Vegas Raiders travel to the Dallas Cowboys. As with all the teams playing on Thanksgiving this year, they suffered Week 11 losses. The Raiders and the Cowboys suffered morale-sapping losses, it's fair to say. The Raiders, of course, absolutely drilled at home by the Cincinnati Bengals. That was one of our picks for last weekend, the Bengals coming up big in that game for us. The Dallas Cowboys, though, they were also one of the picks They didn't cover the two-and-a-half-point spread as underdogs against the Kansas City Chiefs, as they were held to just nine points on the road by an impressive-looking Chiefs defence on Sunday. The line straight up for this game sets the Cowboys as 7 points favourites for this game. But they are depleted on offence. Amari Cooper still on the injured reserve COVID-19 list. C.D. Lamb suffered a concussion on the final play, or the penultimate play, should I say, of the first half in Kansas City. Didn't see him again on the field um, in the second half. We are told that he was officially um, at team meetings on Monday. Um, Stephen Jones uh, was on local radio saying that he expects CD to have a chance of playing on Thursday. It would be an incredibly quick turnaround. The only way you see CD Lamb on the field on Thursday is if he really does show no signs, no effects of concussion at all um, in the intervening period between now and then. I would be surprised to see him take the field, but he remains a question mark for the game. On a positive note for the Cowboys, Tyron Smith, their all-pro left tackle, um, is expected to return after missing the last three games with an ankle injury. That is big for the Cowboys because their offensive line, much heralded offensive line, Was shredded by the Kansas City Chiefs at the weekend. They couldn't block anybody at all in pass protection. Dat Prescott was sacked on six occasions. Chris Jones, the all-pro defensive tackle for the Chiefs, had a day against the Dallas Cowboys. He wrecked everything they tried to do on offense. And quite frankly, if you can't protect the passer, I don't care how good the receiving core is, how good the quarterback is, you are going to blow up that offensive game plan and that's what happened to the Cowboys at the weekend so it's a big game for that offensive line remember we talked about them bringing in Con- Connor McGovern um, replacing Connor Williams uh, left guard uh, for the game at the Chiefs I'm not sure that worked this question marks over the centre as well Tyler Biedash. Um it's a yeah it's a big game for for the Cowboys but a big game for that offensive line to get right getting Tyron Smith back at left tackle is a big plus plus. I think also for the Cowboys organisation, you have to say, OK, they're 7-3 on the season. No, no time to hit the panic button yet. But it is a show-me game for, for Dallas. We talked about this a few weeks ago after they'd lost to the Denver Broncos at home. You know, people were talking about that game in Kansas City as being a potential Super Bowl preview at the weekend. Well, let me tell you, it's not if the Cowboys are going to play that uh, many more times in the remainder of this season. What was the one bright spot uh, Bright spot for the Cowboys the weekend? Well, the defence held the Chiefs to just 19 points. That was good. But more than that, the standout play of rookie linebacker, Micah Parsons. Two more sacks for him on the day, including a forced fumble of Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Parsons leads all rookies this season with eight sacks. He's aiming for his third game in a row with a forced fumble, and fourth in a row with a sack against the Raiders on Thursday. People have talked a lot about Trayvon Diggs this season. Let me tell you, Micah Parsons isn't just in the running for Defensive Rookie of the Year. If he keeps playing at this level, he's in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. He is the standout player in this game, and he's certainly the player that the Las Vegas Raiders have to game plan for, because for them, it is time to hit the panic button. They've lost three straight, Their record stands at 5-5 on the season. They've only lost one more game than the AFC West leading Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, And that that series um, has been split one-on-one this season. But let me tell you, playing the way they did against Cincinnati on Sunday night, they don't have a chance of joining the Kansas City Chiefs in the postseason. They've had problems off the field. They're well-documented this year, I think, Um, losing their deep threat, Hunter Renfro. uh, Sorry, not Hunter Renfro. um, Henry Ruggs, um, after what happened with him a few weeks ago, uh, from a footballing perspective, that definitely hurts and limits what they can do um, on an offensive side of the ball. Uh, You look at the weapons they have. Darren Waller, the tight end, really is the lone real threat they had. He had uh, 116 receiving yards and seven receptions against the Bengals. On Sunday, Hunter Renfro is a good scat back that um, finds pockets um, in the defence and can sit down and make plays. Remember, they brought in Deshaun Jackson as well um, as a free agent after he was released by the Rams earlier this season. But he didn't have a single reception against the Bengals. I think, in fact, he only rushed the ball uh, once. They struggled to get him into the game. This is a tough time if you're you're a fan of the Raiders. Um, it's t- a tough watch as well in seeing the, the way they play. They have a, a fast start as against the Bengals on, on Sunday, force a turnover, have first and goal, can't punch it in, have to settle for a field goal, and that was really as good as it got for the Raiders. And now you have to go on the road to, play, to face a Dallas Cowboys team who are hurting, who still hold the number one ranked offense in football, having been held to nine points On Sunday, they now drop down to the number three scoring offense in football, but they're still scoring around 29 points a game. Look, I I cannot see the Raiders getting a win here. The only question is, will they be able to cover the spread? They're 7 points underdogs. The Cowboys have limited receiving options. They're down to the likes of Cedric Wilson and Noah Brown, receivers four and five. This could be a game where Dallas look to get the running game going uh, with Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, We need to see Kellen Moore um, open up that playbook if the Cowboys are going to get back on track. I do think they get back on track. I think they cover the plus seven spread. Take the Cowboys at plus seven. Graves on gridiron. And our final game on a Thanksgiving Day triple header sees the Buffalo Bills travel to New Orleans to take on the Saints where they will be commemorating legendary quarterback Drew Brees. You can expect the Superdome to be rocking in New Orleans on Thursday night. That's what the Saints and their fans are going to be celebrating. The Buffalo Bills need to concentrate on the job at hand. They head into this game as four-and-a-half-point favourites, but there are question marks surrounding Sean McDermott's side you remember a couple of weeks ago on the show we took the bills as 11 point favorites going to the jets i said it was a get right game for buffalo they'd just come off the back of a hugely disappointing defeat at the jacksonville jaguars where they were held to just six points they got right in that game they took care of the jets you think right here we go the bills are back on track the number one ranked defense in all of football wow did they get handled manhandled by division rivals, the Indianapolis Colts, on Sunday. And it was in Buffalo. They got hammered, 41-15. Josh Allen, their star quarterback, limited to 21 completions from 35 attempts for 209 yards. He threw for two touchdowns and two interceptions in that game as well. And as a result of this, the Bills slipped to 6-4 on the season, and they are now half a game back on the resurgent New England Patriots who now lead the AFC East. They have to play the Patriots twice between now and the end of the regular season. I'm going to say it right now. This is a must-win game for the Buffalo Bills. This is an organisation that doesn't just harbour ambitions of making a postseason anymore. They harbour Super Bowl ambitions. If we are serious about the Buffalo Bills contending to win it all, they have to win Thursday night in New Orleans For me, Carson Wentz, the Colts quarterback at the weekend, only had to throw for 106 yards. This Bills team got absolutely gashed on the ground. Jonathan Taylor had a field day. The Colts uh, running back finished with five total touchdowns. Four came on the ground. The Bills couldn't stop the, the run. That's the shocking thing. People have talked about it quietly during the course of this season but it was laid bare for all to see on Sunday. They gave up 246 yards on the ground total on just 46 rushing attempts. When you're at home, you're defending home turf. That falls under the category of humiliating. So now you have to go down to New Orleans. We know about the crazy atmosphere in the Superdome that you usually have. It's Drew Brees' commemoration night. The fans are going to be hyped. The Saints have to win this game as well. Remember, they're coming into it off a disappointing loss at Philly at the weekend. Their record on the season is 5-5. Five five. They're two games back of the NFC South leading Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But at the moment, hold the tiebreaker. If they can eke out a win in this game... Then suddenly they're only one game back of Tampa. With the tiebreaker, they're in business. Um, Trevor Simeon, who's had to stand in since Jameis Winston uh, suffered that uh, season-ending knee injury. Three touchdowns, two interceptions. Only completed 55% of passes against the Eagles on Sunday. I do wonder if this might be the time to see Taysom Hill. He signed a big-money contract extension, another extension at the start of this week. Four years for anything between 40 and 95 million dollars, depending on the position he's played and playing, and that really is what makes this new deal, this extension for Taysom Hill, unique because it's a hybrid extension. He's signed if he's going to be the quarterback going forward, he's going to get paid quarterback type money. If he's the tight end going forward, well, his uh, salary is reduced accordingly. So, four years for anything between 40 and 95 million dollars. He's had a foot injury to deal with of late. I think he's going to be fully fit and healthy uh, for Thursday night's game. Expect Trevor Simeon to start the game, but I wonder how what sort of um, leash Trevor Simeon is on now with head coach Sean Payton. Do not be surprised if we see more Taysom Hill um, integrated into this game at quarterback. Of course, the Saints do have significant injuries. Alvin Kamara, again, was a, a non-participant uh, practice at the start of the week. Offensive lineman, uh, Ryan Ramchick, is suffering with a knee problem as well and didn't practice. It's time for the receivers to to stand up, the receivers they've got in New Orleans, the likes of Marquez Calloway, the likes of Traquan Smith. Um, veteran running back, Mark Ingram, he's big now for this offence. He carried the load in the run game again on Sunday with 16 carries for 88 yards. He also led the team with six receptions as well. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills in this game. I believe in the talent the Bills have got. It is going to be a tough atmosphere. It's going to be a rabid crowd um, in New Orleans. But as I say, if the Bills are serious, if they are the team we think they are, this is a game where they show everybody on national television and get the job done. Take the Buffalo Bills at plus 4.5. Okay, just to recap then, as we head into our Thanksgiving Day triple header. In the opening game, take the Chicago Bears at minus 3.5. Then in game two, we're sticking with the Cowboys. Take the Dallas Cowboys at plus 7. And then the final game of the triple header, Thursday night football, the Drew Brees commemoration night. Take the Buffalo Bills to spoil the party at plus 4.5. As we said at the top of the show, first and foremost, this is a bit of fun. Enjoy it. But the show is currently 19-11 and 11 against the line on the season. We'd love to go 3-0 on Thanksgiving Day ahead of show two of week 12. Graves on Gridiron will be back with you on Friday for a preview of the weekend's remaining games in week 12. I've been your host, Richard Graves. You can catch up with me on twitter at Graves one or www.gravesongridiron.com stay tuned for the second show of the week on friday until then enjoy your thanksgiving day and enjoy the triple header. subscribe to graves on gridiron wherever you listen to podcasts and keep up to date with the latest on twitter search for richard graves one that's richard graves the number one